Hey, Brian, I, I wanted to make a list <laughs> okay. to see how many ad formats we could name in under 30 seconds. And there are all ways that you try to funnel attention from a place where people don't want to give it to you to something that's kind of useful for an advertiser. And I was like, okay, ready? Skins, takeovers, expanders, pop-ups, floating players, retargeting, content marketing, hypertext links, in-photo advertising, in-line video. Skyscraper. What else? Leaderboard. Skyscraper. Medium rectangle. <laughs> nice. There we go. Welcome to People vs. Algorithms, a conversation about patterns in media, technology, and culture. I'm Brian Morrissey. I write the Rebooting Newsletter and host the Rebooting Show podcast. Each week, I'm joined by longtime media executive and investor Troy Young, writer of the People vs. Algorithms newsletter, and Alex Schleifer, former head of design at Airbnb and founder of Universal Entities. This week, we're trying something new. We are welcoming our first guest, Someone close to home, Troy's own son, Seb, who breaks down how he and other Gen Z people feel about advertising. Spoiler alert, they don't like it and don't think it works as every generation that came before them believes. No wonder influencers and creators are becoming ad networks. My money, however, is still on advertising finding a way. It is the lubricant of capitalism and I still believe capitalism is going to be with us for some time to come. But we also discuss and we continue our discussion of formats by examining the role of ad formats. And I love this topic because I find ad formats a fascinating one. You know, anytime you're making a media format, it's difficult. You're trying to make something make sense to a whole bunch of different people. It becomes infinitely more complicated when you're trying to solve for the needs of different constituencies, the audience and advertisers, and these needs are often in opposition. And trade-offs are a defining feature of life, and that's when you end up seeing what people value the most. My belief is digital media has mostly failed in terms of ad formats, despite its many efforts to create the digital equivalent of the 30-second spot or the full-page magazine ad. Instead, digital ad formats have been either gimmicks or completely adversarial to the user experience. It's no wonder that Seb uses an ad blocker or that digital advertising itself has become little more than a data harvesting machine, living and dying on direct response as opposed to brand advertising that powers TV and magazines. I hope you enjoy this conversation. And if you do have a chance, please leave us a rating and a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this podcast and send in your feedback. My email is brian at therebooting.com. Now onto the conversation. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. Are we, we switching uh, roles? I like is, that, is that your impersonation? Yeah, today right? we're here. Here's my little setup, Brian. I don't know what you were thinking. I tried to get this out of you guys in the text thread. I'm sorry if it felt like I was yelling or being brusque or whatever. I just thought brusque. it would be fun to mix the format up a little bit. My son and I get into these kind of discussions slash arguments about things. Why the fuck would the government ban TikTok? And what good does it do? And I thought if we were talking about advertising, one time we were driving in the car and Seb started telling me about how his ad blocking wasn't working. I was a little dismayed that he used an ad blocker. And I said to him, see this car you're in, the comfort that you've become used to? This is all because of advertising. So could you please turn the ad blocker off? It was funny. But I was annoyed at the time because I, for a lot of my life, I've made a living extracting money from advertising. Do you think 
the cigarette executive was telling his son that at some point when his son said, I'm going to quit smoking now. <laughs> While his son was vaping in the car. Yeah, that's right. The reason you can buy this vape is because I've been selling cigarettes. Is the idea of this segment to be seamlessly with what we're going to be talking about with the ad format stuff? Or is this Unclear. Different? No, no. This is about ad formats and advertising online. And I thought we would at some point be able to cut in from the perspective from someone like Seb from a Gen Zer. No, I guess he hates advertising. So does everyone. Okay, but are you guys ready for that? I mean, you want to meet him and yeah. say hello and see what he has to say sure. about it? Let's give it a shot, okay? Hey guys, Alex, you know Seb. Haven't seen him forever. Brian, this hey, is Seb. my son, Seb. Good to hello. see you. Welcome to the pod. Is this weird? <laughs> it's a little weird. It's a little weird, but it'll be fun, I think. It's got to be weird. Yeah. I can't imagine yeah. listening to my dad's podcast, or much less being on my dad's podcast. Yeah, it's really fucking embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For I'm, everyone involved. <laughs> so let's make this as good as possible, Seb. Seb, there was a time when we were driving across the country. Remember that? When we got your car? And there was that mm -hmm. sort of existential moment for me. And I, I asked you if we could do a podcast. We had that discussion about it because we were super, we were totally nerding out on podcasts on that trip. Was that the, the inspiration, the start of the podcast journey? No, Alex actually was more of the inspiration. He was insistent that we make one. You remember Alex, right, Seb? Of course. His hair's a little more gray now, though. He's oh, been through you. a lot. It You're happens. welcome. I've been through so much. We uh, try to uh, record this every week, and Troy is, has been doing a good job being on time. I'm really proud of him. So you should be proud of your dad. He's, he's doing a good job at this. But Troy apparently had a, an idea for this format. So Troy, why don't you throw us into this situation? I don't know how far back you want to go, but here's the thing. Alex hates advertising. Brian and I... I've spent a lot of time and Alex thinking about digital advertising and trying to make it work. Brian had suggested that this episode we talk about ad formats, which I, I think what you're getting at, Brian, was an extension of last week's format conversation that turned out better than expected. It was not only, I think you said you got some good feedback. I got some feedback on it because I also put it into my newsletter this week. But anyway, so we've now moved on to ad formats, and I've had a couple conversations with Seb in the past about advertising on the internet, and I, I think that we're old now, and it would be always, it would be good to get perspective of some fresh meat. Well, I'm definitely on the same page as as Alex. I was thinking about it today. You told me to kind of keep advertising at the front of my mind, and I, I was just thinking about the future of it and how the role that it has in my life. And I have just always hated it, hated advertisements, wanted to get away from them at all costs. So. Do you remember when I almost kicked you out of the car when you told me you used an ad blocker? Yep. You said this, you were like, this ad blocker pays for this car. <laughs> or the ads, yeah. Yeah, the ads, the ads. Didn't you switch sides then and start working with the ad blocking people? I've never That's worked with them, works. though. They did want me to invest in the company. Okay. Yeah. So what do you guys have for Seb? Brian, come on. What do you want to ask him? I want to avoid being like the ask the young person because it's a, it's a bad role <laughs> to play. Are we just talking about like advertising in general? No, I think digital stuff. Seb is, spends a lot of time. He's very online, as they would say. I wonder if he even understands why what advertising's purpose is. Do you avoid as advertising at all costs, I assume? Yeah. Like the only time I really see advertisements are on, are on TikTok and on TV. So on YouTube, I don't see any of them. I have this experience where like if a company has figured out how to kind of get around my ad blocker and they want to show me like five ads in a row, I usually just won't even watch what they're showing me. I just don't care enough to sit through five obnoxious ads about something that I'm never going to buy. Yeah. What about on TikTok? The way it works on TikTok is that you don't have to sit through it. It just like 
you scroll and then it's going to be the same way that the algorithm would show one of someone's videos. It's just like an advertisement instead. And so they try to trick you into thinking it's not an advertisement. So it usually just takes me a couple seconds to look down and see if it's sponsored or not. And then I just skip. If it was something interesting that I was interested in, I maybe would stay on it a little longer. But generally, like, it's just shit that you don't need. Have you ever bought something from an ad that you saw on the internet? I don't think so. No. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's not true. You have. Wh what have I bought? What have I bought? What would uh, it be? There's some electronic thing that you bought, a guitar or something like that. Are you okay. guys in the same house? Yeah, yeah we are. I'm th we're three floors apart. Ooh, three floors. So for example, I bought this Neil Young hat recently, and that wasn't necessarily advertising, but I was on the Neil Young subreddit, and I saw someone had bought that hat, and I wanted to know where he bought it. And so like he'd link someone's Instagram store. That's, I guess, a form of advertising, but it's not direct paid advertising. And that would be the stuff that I would be buying. Would you say that hanging out the Neil Young subreddit is the traditional way for Gen Zers to spend their time? <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably not, probably not. There's not a lot of activity out there. You know, I think Gen Z has been has shown to be pretty diverse in its behaviors. But do you like ever talk about advertising with your friends? Do you think people of your age, outside of the folks in the Neil Young subreddit, do you think they watch advertising? Do people talk about advertising? Say Super Bowl or even like big events like that. Is that is that something oh that God, registers are we that in the community? But those those days are like decades ago, aren't they? I do not remember sitting around the campfire talking about advertising. I talked about this G.I. Joe Well, thing that's because you saw. guys were at the Ad Network campfire, but I was. <laughs> Love no, but campfire. I mean, is, is this something that registers in people's lives today? Like, oh, I saw this thing? Or is it all influencer-based? I think it's primarily influencer-based. And like a normal advertisement is just an annoyance that you have to sit through, generally. I agree with that. Yeah. But Seb, you watch a lot of basketball. Do you see stuff on there that influences you? No, it's like five advertisements. And I've seen them probably hundreds of times at this point, And they're all... Insurance. Very dull. Yeah, their insurance or like Google Pixel phone. I don't care about the Google Pixel phone. What about DC? Like, You've been drinking a lot of DC. Have you been seeing DC ads? Well, yeah, I've seen a couple, but that isn't influenced by desire to drink Diet Coke. But I will see like a TikTok of someone drinking a Diet Coke, but it's not. Yeah. It's just like a person enjoying themselves, hanging yeah. out, drinking a Diet Coke. And then I'll be like, okay, maybe I want Do you care Coke. if that person got paid by DC? I didn't know we we're calling it DC. I think that, yeah. <laughs> I think it would feel a little disingenuous if they were getting paid. I wouldn't be as happy about it. I got bad news for you, Seb. They're all being paid. <laughs> I know. So what advice, Seb, would you give a company? Like, people advertise because that's how they grow their businesses. It used to be way more systematic before the internet. Or simpler, maybe not more systematic. What would you do if you were like the head of advertising of Big Co? What would I do? I mean, but I, I was thinking about advertising today and I thought of it like you were asking me, you, you mentioned something like, well, it's a lot of people have their, their livelihoods in advertising. There needs to be a way to figure out how to keep it going in some capacity. I was thinking about workers at Detroit car factories. Things become antiquated and then people, those fields get destroyed and changed and become new. And I feel like very direct paying for a slot in a TV situation or something like that is just not going to exist anymore. I think people really respond better to like more natural grassroots advertising, which is someone just supporting your product on TikTok or something like that's the best way for someone to advertise something is like having a good product and someone using it. Like if people are wearing a sweater that they love on TikTok that they just got from this company, then that's great promotion. I mean, I guess it's been going on forever, but that's that's what I would say. It's like word of mouth, right? Nobody likes advertising, and so people usually try to get away from advertising. We didn't have 
technological tools when I was growing up. So we just went to the bathroom during commercial breaks. So every all the advertisers then try to make their advertising look like just regular people recommending. So I don't know if we end up in a better situation because it's it's basically like you can't trust anyone because everyone's trying to sell to you. Hey, Brian, do you know of a good place to get car insurance? <laughs> I don't even remember all those buzz marketing agencies and stuff. They're like, we're going to make your grassroots marketing for you and get young people talking about your products. Advertising shit to people is going to stay there because, you know, an influencer advertises something. Mr. Beast is advertising his own stuff. The thing that seems to be changing is the middleman. The long agency meeting with the lunch where you decide on a creative and then somebody, a writer that's actually secretly wanting to write a screenplay, puts something up on, on the thing and you sit through this four-hour presentation and it ends up in this 30-second thing and everybody's motivations are to create a beautiful ad and then that goes onto a slot on TV. That stuff feels crazy when, yeah. especially if as an influencer, I can be the middleman. I can be, give me the money, I'll say your shit's good. If I do it honestly, it'll probably perform better. All the rest of that stuff is gone. Seb is not most of it. Lot. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that is that is what it is. It's like kind of how how every other how the internet has changed everything else. Like making music, you don't need a record label. You don't need. You can just put your music out into the world. Selling things. Yeah, if if you don't have to go through a company, a huge corporate company, to get paid to advertise something, then that's just like a, a much better system for the creator and probably for the person trying to advertise their product. So you don't think people are being in your demographic of being in, influenced by, let's call it old school or traditional advertising, mainstream advertising. I don't think so. Like with the car insurance thing, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about what would influence my decision to pick a car insurance. I would search, what is the best car insurance? Reddit. I'm not thinking, <laughs> oh my God, that Geico ad was great. Oh, you know Geico. them. You know the lizards. You know them. They're lizards. great. I mean, they are like I, I. I actually love them. Yeah, I like the. I like the. Don't be like. Don't act like your parents. Ones. Those are good. Yeah. Those ones are good too. Yeah. You grew but, up with the cavemen. I mean, come on. Yeah, minutes. no, it's it's great stuff. And, and it'll probably lead us to the AI conversation. But with a modicum of internet literacy, which right now the hack seems to be Google plus the Reddit keyword, you find the best information. Which TV? Which whatever? Which insurance? And I think that it feels like where are you going to make money in advertising? after this. I mean, unless you're a platform or an influencer. Like all the middle's getting squeezed out. Sorry. Mm, that's depressing. Who's going to think about the ad networks? I, but mean, isn't it like, I think Seb is saying, it's Fuck great. Up. It's great what you're saying, but it's incredibly naive. Okay, so Troy, the ad networks are going to live. I never said ad networks. I was just asking ChatGPT what percentage I of money is, is spent on television advertising. Uh, according to, it's a little out of date. 2021 is the cutoff for ChatGPT. It's 35%. I would have thought it was higher. But it, there's also this long tail of you have to put advertising on TV because you're being kind of motivated by the ad agency and the media buyers to do it not knowing exactly if it's performant or not, there's way better ways to spend your money. I'm a like, big a NFL fan. What would happen to NFL without advertising? How would that work? Yeah, but live sports is the exception to the rule. I mean, Seb, you, you watch sports, right? You see advertising during sports. You don't watch Walker, Texas Ranger or some like CBS show on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. It seems like the system is there and it's making people money and it hasn't completely broken yet. And that's like the only reason that people are still paying crazy amounts of money for advertising on TV. It seems impossible to test how effective it is, but I would guess that it's influencing people very little overall. And people your age, because I think a lot of people in their 60s are buying my pillows because Tucker Carlson tells them to. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. 
Yeah. TV has such an outside hold on people's budgets and the influence that it has. Everybody keeps talking about Tucker Carlson. He, he gets 4 million viewers. That's less than yeah. most like top TikToks. Yeah, so, different. So you can't really compare the two, but but I get that we can compare it. But I think there's this hold that TV has that's like long tail. Yeah. In the demo primetime CNN, the numbers are shockingly small. Yeah, yeah, no, I know, I know they are small. It's just hard to can. We we went into modes and stuff. It's hard to yeah. compare a half hour of being irate about whatever is happening. You would have to compare to like popular TikTok political commentators. Which there probably aren't many getting quite as, yeah. or like the views are probably similar. The impact of a, a minute and a half TikTok is not the same as getting enraged for a half hour plus on television. I think it's night. the audience though. I wonder how much of it is just like these learned behaviors that you see something like New York Times bestseller and that person gets a lot of attention. Meanwhile, there's 100 newsletters doing better on, on Substack than that gets more readership and has probably more real life world influence than being a New York Times bestseller. What we're seeing in Seb, I think, is also a generation that's so much more literate. TV doesn't have that same hold on them. We all grew up with TV being the thing, like being on TV was a big thing. It no longer is. Even five years ago, every matters. YouTuber wanted a TV show. Every YouTuber wanted to be on Netflix, etc. Today, YouTubers are perfectly happy on YouTube, or some of them are. Like Mr. Beast yeah. doesn't want to be on NBC. And I think like the trust has just completely disintegrated. Like people don't really care about the authority of, of television and having a television show. Wait, is it maybe because being lied to you for 10 years and noticing <laughs> <laughs> that they're trying to yeah. sell you shit you don't want is actually not a great Wait, what thing? happened 10 years that ago? That will do it, yeah. The lie I mean, started 10 years look, ago? Look, your generation just doesn't think about all these ad executives and what they're going to do with their summers when they can't go to Canada anymore or fly across the world. It's very upsetting. No, there's there's not a lot of sympathy. Don't worry, Cannes going to be fine this year. Yeah, it's not going to be Cannes. <laughs> the yachts will be there. I'm sure. Advertising always finds a way. I appreciate because it has so many flaws. But you look at you can't get an Uber now. What do they do immediately? They put advertising in there. Does that stuff work though? Why not? Yeah. Does it? Like it seeps into all of our subconscious. We make decisions based on so many different signals. We don't understand even the full extent that advertising guys, does Guys, work. guys, guys, I don't know how long it's going to take. I think traditional... That's the essential to making a prediction, particularly a big yeah. prediction. Just don't put a time limit so, on it. But it's happening quickly. I mean, Alex, Alex, you know what? what let, it, me, let me finish my point. Okay. Traditional advertising, traditional middleman, middle person based advertising <laughs> is entirely based on the fact that it's forcing its viewers, its customers through some sort of linear thing where you have to wait and you get all these interruptions, or it's even Google's. It's like Google's entire model is, we're gonna make the internet shitty, so you have to look at five ads before you get to the thing. And I think what we're finding with things like TikTok and with things like whatever people are using today, including why this chat GPT has exploded, is just like, oh, I realize now that the new expectations, I can get just shit instantly. I don't have to wait for your bullshit. Nobody ever cared about ads. Ads were the time where you went to the bathroom or you went to the fridge, and now you no longer have to do that. And I think the tolerance for that is has gone down to zero. And so there's all this middle of the pie that was filled with advertising agencies and people building those advertising platforms and the media buyers, that's going to shrink way down, man. Way down. It has to. Nobody likes it. Yeah. Alex, I, guess, I think you're, I, I mean, respectfully, Alex, hey, it's the, my the turn. Wait just said. a second. Do you see what I have to deal with, Seb? 
Yeah, you and Seb should do a splinter podcast called like Ad Haters or Busters or something like that. No one's going to disagree with you that annoying advertising is something that we don't love and that we don't like kind of frictionless experiences to get what we want. And that sort of the topsy-turvy demand architecture of the internet doesn't make advertising much more complicated. But this is the fact, some facts, okay? Or facts, assertions for me. The advertising exists on a, con- on a continuum from things that are very tightly connected to a transaction because they sit in a transaction flow, whether that's affiliate or retail advertising or anytime you buy a link when there's any amount of intent from the consumer, right? And that's the most high value stuff. And it's played an outsized role and will continue to on the internet because the internet is a medium that collapses attention and transactions together. And so it pushes all that together and all of those kinds of businesses are doing really well. On the very far other end, video doesn't give you a choice. It's not about intention, but it owns your timeline if you want to watch something. So you either ad block like Seb does or you're forced to watch a little bit of it. And the savvy people in that world have said, well, you're not going to, there's nothing worse than a 30 second clip with a 30 second ad. So YouTube smartly controls frequency and it serves you five second ads and it allows them to be skippable, which I think is a decent compromise. And it's become an extraordinary good business, partly also because they don't have the same kind of content costs as, as other media organizations. Then there's the vast middle. And in that middle, a lot of people are really struggling right now because essentially they're trying to bend your will to find intent intent to get you interested in something when you're when you're doing something else when your mode is different or when they have really no data about what it is you want I think at best it's advertising like Brian puts in his newsletter. It works because it's conversational, because he's speaking to a vertical community of people interested in media and advertising. Brian, do you have any ad slots available this month? No, we're sold out this month. We're sold out this month, month, but yeah, get get in line. And so that kind of stuff works. Just to get back to the business, okay? If someone's sitting in a company, they're like, we have a certain amount of industrial capacity or we have certain aspirations for how much we want to grow our business, call up the marketing person and say, dude, we need to crank this thing up. We're going to invest $100 million to go buy some customers. Go do it. And that's the investment you make. And you say, it's going to cost us $50 to get a customer. And hopefully over a period of three years, that customer will generate $75. Go do it. The way that you go do that might not be advertising on television, on Thursday night television on NBC, but you're going to find a way. Advertising is the ultimate cockroach industry. And it will always be because it's intimately connected to business growth in a capitalist system. End of rant. Oof. Wow. That's something. Well Let's go get them. Advertising. Woo-hoo. Advertising is on. <laughs> Yay. Seth does not seem fired up. Gotta Jesus. say. Um, I'm, I'm not super fired up. I kind Were of, these the honestly, kind of inspirational speeches you had at the kitchen table growing up? Just all advertising. Praise <laughs> advertising. Advertising. Kind of got distracted halfway through, honestly. I, I, uh, I, <laughs> That's why you need I, a mid-roll. Troy, you got to do a mid-roll. Look, I decided to look on my Instagram and see, first of all, how the frequency of ads, which is, it's actually disgusting. There's, I'm, I scrolled through five posts and two of the, in those five posts, I saw two advertisements. The first one is for 
Tabula. I don't even know what this is. Uh-oh. I will spend less <laughs> I know, than a I know, second. Oh. I know that guy. I had dinner with him Troy last week. Troy has a t-shirt. So. <laughs> you, know, you know those ads on the bottom of web pages, like you can't believe what this celebrity looks like or the toe fungus? Yeah. Yeah. That's what, yeah. Hey, I know you're- Oh, he likes those. Yeah. He likes hold those. on, hold on. The next one was this one for this, this t-shirt. And there's nothing wrong with this t-shirt. This is a striped t-shirt. My dad yeah. would probably wear this t-shirt. Yeah. But the I fact that I see it that. coming from a sponsored, I'm instantly just like, I would never touch that. I would never go near Why that. Why not? Why not? It's I, perfect. I, it, there's like a visceral, like, I see it, an advertisement. I'm not going to buy that ever. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I can't control I it. I get it. There yeah. is. Clicking on ads is, is not very punk rock. It's not at all. Advertising <laughs> is an unwanted, untrusted friction. And technology will always butt heads with that. And whoever comes up with technology that takes out that unwanted, unloved friction will benefit in the market. So you have these two forces. What you're saying, Troy... I think is that, yeah, but advertising like cockroaches or toe fungus or whatever is unkillable. It will live with us forever. It's like the herpes of the internet. You can't get rid of it, so you might as well live with it. What we're going to say is like, yes, however, there's such an unstoppable force fighting it. Okay. The only thing you're not going to make me do is say, yeah, I'm actually, I'm excited about this light on the internet. I'm not. It is not something that people actually want to consume. Yeah, but it's a tax, right? So that's what it is. And nobody likes taxes. But we like roads, we like schools. The question is, how are you going to pay for the stuff you want? So that's what it ends up coming down to is you can either pay with your attention or your data in some cases, or you can pay with money, Bitcoin or whatever. But ultimately, in a capitalist system, people are not going to create stuff unless there's a financial incentive. I mean, sometimes they will, but we'll just have a lot of UGC that could be the future. But I think that's until somebody comes in and comes with a new model that people are potentially ready to pay for. I don't know if ChatGPT is is that, but at some point, the amount of times I see the value add on a piece of media or media publication that is, if you give us five bucks, we'll stop showing ads. Like ads are the punishment. And I think if there's enough of a critical mass of this stuff, it could substantially change the business. The original sin of the internet was not to build subscription and these payments into it and rely entirely on advertising. Are you in the ad tier of Netflix, Brian? No. Seb, would you pony up to get rid of ads on Netflix? Yeah, you'd probably pay the extra couple dollars not have ads. Yeah. It all depends how much it is, right? At some point, there's a point that makes that worth it. And so if you're in a business that is just, there's so much well, energy. Well, that's why I'm asking. Control. I'm wondering if, if Netflix is 10 bucks a month and if 20 bucks gets you ad free, would you still pay the 20 bucks? I mean, I'm not the right person to ask this. I'm no, I know you're not. every but... streamer and every... But what uh, Brian said, you got to pay for things somehow. And I think like that's kind of the justification for advertising. But do we need that justification anymore? If we're talking about you need to pay for an ability to create the content that you want to see, I guess so, but really not so much anymore. More and more, people can make their content for very low cost, and it can be very high quality content. So you actually don't really need the advertisers in that context. No, not for all kinds. Something like Succession, obviously it costs a lot of money to make it, but the tools of creation being pretty cheap these days, you don't need advertising as much. I think the sort of corollary to that is there's so many places to put ads these days. I mean, where you go to the airport and you you put your shoes, if you don't have pre-check in the bin and there's an ad on there and there's ads everywhere. Every surface is covered with an ad, which weirdly drives down the prices of ads because you can put them so many places. So people Mm -hmm. have to put more ads and then more ads and then more ads. But I think we're also talking about ads like where people are more likely to engage and buy something. That's the internet when you're in that modality of 
you're browsing and you see an ad and you buy it, you do an impulse buy. I feel like some a lot of change coming. I think it's generational. I think we're still kind of a little bit enamored with this idea of TV and high production values. And I think that's kind of going away. You know, stuff needed to look expensive. Stuff needed to be a certain length in our generation yeah, still. Yeah. Well, and because I, it doesn't and, drive performance. I mean, the internet is a direct response medium. There's basically like two forms of advertising. Build an image so later you're like, oh, car insurance, Geico. I don't think, oh, those lizards told me something. But I think if I'm looking down a list, I'm like, oh, Geico. Because you've seen those ads. Yeah, And, like and then there's the like, oh, I'm going to click and buy this shit right now kind of ads. Most of the internet, I don't think it had to be that way. But that's how, if you talk about the original sins of the internet when it comes to advertising, that was probably, to me, that was it. Like separating the actual media impression from the data. That made it a direct response medium begin with. And so everything just became, how do you get a click on, on an ad? And I think that's the kind of ads that are generally lower quality in many cases. And it also takes away that high gloss storytelling stuff that advertising had always been synonymous with. Can we just jump ahead to the future for a second? Yeah. This is interesting to me. So I had this discussion yesterday. It's unclear to me whether the open AI guys are trying to create a consumer product or not. Now, I know we had a brief discussion about about this in our in our thread. If they are, I mean, they stumbled onto huge consumer demand. I don't know, people said it was 100 million people that tried ChatGPT. How many people continue to use it TBD? And now what they've done is they've created a toll booth there. It's $20 a month to get reliable service from them. And it looks like their intention is to turn that into a consumer application. Now what they've done is they've started to say, basically, instead of taking our API, and using AI on your service or in your workflow or in your application, whatever, come and bring your site to our AI. And that's the plug-in structure. Mm -hmm. So now you plug in Expedia into ChatGPT and instead of it telling you that it has no data post 2021 and there's all these data sets that it doesn't address, I can now book a flight or get up-to-date information and all that stuff. Now, mm -hmm. here's why I say this. Suddenly they become the world's most important next generation gatekeeper. Every company on the planet wants to get their plug-in on ChatGPT. Just like every company wants to get their app in the app store. Just like every company wants to be at the top of the search engine results page. Now, suddenly you have a problem. You're ChatGPT and you need a system to regulate the demand from companies that want to get inside of your chatbot. I wonder if all roads lead to the ad network. Or they lead <laughs> to some type of tiered advertising program that you bid to get why, to the Why consumer. do you have to inject advertising in there? It's not advertising, Alex. It's just, oh, I want a travel plug-in. Here's one from Expedia. The, the first rule of starting a new like ad unit is claim it's not advertising. It's all going to be essentially like targeting and retargeting of a specific product within its natural flow. So you do a search on the App Store and some you search for Airbnb and Expedia pops up there. That, okay, I agree. That is 100% advertising. But what ChatGPT like that kind is... of advertising? Well, it's in marketplace advertising. It's the type of advertising Amazon does. It's the type of advertising that I get once I go into the grocery store and Safeway has yeah. a special deal on some... Is that what most like, of retail media media is yeah i mean it's retail media it's not it's search it's it's the retail media is not going to feed the engine of advertising and ad agencies right because it's going to be first of all just to get to the chat gpt thing it is a consumer product i don't know if they want it to be it is a consumer product it might even be the fastest growing consumer product in the world with 100 million users and i think that the plugging thing is there apple announcing the app store moment 
and there will be a ton of money to be made just on affiliate links and taking a slice of the conversion there. It's going to be really interesting to see how that develops. And also, interestingly, they haven't been really quick to try to get on the App Store and get another gatekeeper involved. They, they just want to kind of run That's the best part this. about it is it exists on the open web. The web is, is potentially back with this. And I think that marketplace advertising is kind of going to direct advertising via influencer and market, marketplace advertising is the stuff that looks like it's not going anywhere, but the advertising industry is going to fundamentally change. Where does that make? There's not as big a pie to slice between all the middlemen, and there's giant companies that were made made off that. And I, it doesn't sound like there's a ton of space for these folks. ChatGPT doesn't help because I think Sam Altman is also pretty intent on trying to build a business that doesn't repeat the original sin of the internet, which is give everything away to advertising and see. Hey, if we built this from the beginning with subscription in mind, how does that work? And what is the value that people can get from it? People used to buy cheap phones until the iPhone made it. But also, I mean, there's there's no obvious, just to bring it back to formats, there's no obvious ad format for this kind of AI chat interface. To me, like the of the many sins Skins, of the Brian, skins. Skins, <laughs> sins of the internet. Pop-ups. It's really, never really developing like, a great ad format. Alex and I developed a great ad format. Okay, well, well, I want to talk about that. So search advertising was a great format because it, it worked within the flow, within the mode. and it felt native. Its early, its early iteration, it was, you could make an argument that it was nearly additive to the experience or at least a reasonable tax. The banner ad utterly failed. It was a complete disaster. There were so many attempts to try to make it like magazines where I kept hearing about Vogue and how people bought Vogue as much for the advertisements as they did for the editorial content. Alex's old landlord invented it. Invented Vogue? No, the banner ad. Oh, the banner ad? Mm-hmm. Oh. JN. Wait, who is this? Jonathan Nelson. Oh, Jonathan. I know Jonathan. He did the first banner. Seb knows Jonathan. I once wrote a oral history of the banner ad and 20 different people claimed to have invented this thing that nobody likes. So, I don't know. I guess it's... It's wild. I, I mean, Troy and I probably invented a lot of things that uh, make people miserable today, and I never try to claim that. Well, because like I think ad formats are actually more interesting than like media formats because you get into trade-offs. That's where the interesting stuff takes place because you can talk about theory and all, oh, what is best for the consumer and sitting around the campfire and whatnot. But when you start to get into a business context and you start to make trade-offs, that's where it gets really interesting. We tried every possible way to layer some type of experience, expandable experience on top of a video player. I remember heading down to YouTube in the peninsula in San Francisco saying, we should all do the same format and put this banner on the bottom of a video ad. And then people like me were tricked into doing this because it was an interesting, there was two things that was driving us. I mean, trick, nobody tricked me. I think you're a victim. The technical challenge of getting it to work, it was so exciting to get these things to work. And then this idea that we were going to save publishing. Sorry, know. Alex. Yeah, it's like the we small were. business argument. The other one we did is we did a lot of work with expanding on the pages. And then we did in-feed. Someone was telling me last night that the the Teeds has become like a really enormously profitable company. Teeds, Alex, yes. Yeah, makes a huge amount of money. Yeah, and they're going into Teeds? CTV and, and all kinds of Teeds things. Teeds is so in... What do they call it? Inline video formats? They like, yeah, they pioneer basically bringing like TV commercials to web pages. <laughs> I love those. I think it's so nice when you use the internet. You know what advertising like this is good for? It's good for advertising why downloading the app from the app store and not using the website is a good idea. That's the one thing that this type of advertising is really good at is to say, hey, look how fucked this thing is. But again, that it goes back to the failure to come up with a good format for brand building. 
Leave aside the DR stuff. With DR, direct response, you can just do a search listing. It's basically glorified. It's just all about the targeting. It's basically just the yellow pages listing that you're putting on a website. Whether you're talking about Google, if you're talking about retail media, if you're talking about Facebook even, they're glorified listings products as far as I'm concerned. The problem is like when you want to build a brand, you go to a magazine and you flip through magazines, this is what they were built on. You turn on TV and if you're not getting Netflix, you're not, they're trying to tell stories. The internet never was able to do that. They never came up with good ad formats to me. Isn't that the problem you guys were trying to solve for? Yeah, yes. I mean, I would love to hear what Troy has to say about that. Except sign. No, 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 no. I mean, uh, the genesis of the whole thing was we had a video platform that existed on other people's sites. The number one partner at the time was Bebo. And there was a gentleman at Bebo that said, we'll use your video player, but there's no way that you're running pre-roll in front of any of the content that is uploaded by our community. And you will so not sell like, Bebo with your advertising. I, I like that. Bebo does better. we had, at the time, actually hosting videos on Akamai was extremely expensive. So our money of our well-funded startup was burning very quickly and we had no mechanism to make any of it back. So I went to the guy at Bebo and I said, we need a compromise. I need to find an ad product that can work if you're morally against running pre-roll on UGC. So we had two challenges. One was that the world hated UGC and thought they'd never advertise on it at the time. And the second was we needed an alternative to pre-roll. And then what happened is we created this thing called the ticker that you could expand and that would start on the video and could become a full-fledged sort of video experience. And we had to go out and start evangelizing that as a better way to advertise. The breakthrough moment. Alex, you remember some of those t-shirts and stuff we made? There was pre-roll. What did we do? We crossed out the... I remember we did one actually that was... You did it actually. It was brilliant. We had CPM illustrated on an ad unit and a little bird walked up and turned the M on its side and it became CPE. And we called it... Remember, Brian? Cost per engagement. Yeah. And we started you guys were a well-branded ad network. Yeah, cost per engagement. Alex is the architect of a lot of that. Cost per engagement, UGC, video advertising, all that stuff. It worked extremely well, and then we made a huge mistake, and we bought a big, stupid company that basically stopped us in our tracks for two years. We bought. That was my company, was it? Oh, that, that was the the, the TypePad <laughs> thing. TypePad. No, no, mm-hmm. no. You you guys were an accelerant, Alex. TypePad was a. Yeah, thank you bad idea. Well, that's and, and I think well, but the, the issue I think that it was is that we were always talking about this idea that the best format is going to be one that feels native. And everybody was really uncomfortable with that because advertisers hated UGC. People making content didn't want the ads before. Editorial also, teams the, were the whole uncomfortable about... The transactional it, side of the internet was not nearly as well developed to yeah. make things like a link and affiliate make well, sense. Well, you couldn't pay work. for shit like yeah, very right, easily yeah. and, and yeah, still right. people didn't really trust it. Yeah, But said this this is exactly what we're talking about. Everyone wants to make advertising that that looks because you you trust more the regular stuff on the internet, whether it's a Reddit post or everything. So what the advertisers end up thinking is, oh shit, how do we make our advertising look less like advertising and more look like the kinds of stuff that Seb and his friends actually want to engage with? I think it's that state of mind, actually, Brian, that gets advertisers in trouble. It's like, Mm -hmm. because they're saying like, we need to kind of sneak our way in. The way they expect is we're going to wear these masks and kind of make our way into the party. And maybe nobody's going to notice that we're advertising. And I think that's what like creates this uncomfortable tension rather than the fact that we need to admit that there needs to be native ways to put your stuff into the feed and feel like you deserve your spot there. 
Does that mean make like sense? native ad units that existed in 300 by 250 real estate on the page that were just reformatting the ad unit to make it look like it was native? Mm, I mean more like... No, I mean that was that was part of the hilarity of, of or the irony yeah. of the whole native thing. But Alex, I now right, remember right. what the t-shirt said. Native programmatic, when native programmatic came down the road, yeah, that's when yeah. it was over. Yes. I think it's what a did the pre, say, pre, prehistoric role. <laughs> But uh, but here's the here's the reason why advertising sh or advertisers should want to be native and truly native. That means like content created by the people who make content on those platforms. Is that those platforms are hugely optimized to make that the best experience that you have is the native experience. The advertising experience is always secondary. So the reason TikTok works is that the TikTok ads are just TikToks. That's it. Honestly, I've heard this so many times with every single platform. The promoted tweets were the tweets. You couldn't put an ad in there. You just need to promote a tweet and stuff like this. Facebook posts. They're not ads. They're promoted posts. These are native to the Everything becomes a standardized ad unit. It's just that's the only way you scale. And that's why with internet advertising, these have hundreds of ad units. And then they came up with six. The banner ads, the 300 by 250 and stuff, all the things that people ended up ignoring. And standardization ends up just doing that because if you're going to optimize the scale, you're going to end up losing the uniqueness and you're going to lose a lot of the impact to me. You got to choose, pick one. The idea of an ad format is dying. There's content that you will put within whatever modality that you're kind of inserting yourself into that can be advertising, but I don't see the existence of anything like an ad format that is meaningful. So you think we're post-ad format? Yes, absolutely. I think the only ad formats that are going to work is I open the app store and I do a search for something and the top thing on that search looks nearly identical to the rest, except it says yeah, the context of this result is that it's sponsored. I go into TikTok or Instagram Reels or whatever, and I scroll through it, and one of those videos feels like an, it is an ad. Mm -hmm. It's kind of it's marked as an ad, but it's there. Th there's no world where I can see, hey, here's this interruption now. It's a different modality. It's a different thing. Now's the time to kind of break away from it. That's gone. Yeah. Amazon putting ads in their store. I think you're probably right. Because I think it's kind of a shame in some ways. If you go back to that time when you were doing, what did you used to call this, like your little unit? I used to call it a pop-up. What was it? It wasn't a pop-up. It was an expando. Okay, good. Expando, <laughs> the pop-up. An expando. But there was a lot of ad format innovation back then. Amiibo was trying things. You had photo bucket out there. Vibrant Media was turning like hyperlinks Links. into ads. Yeah. There was a shit ton of things, most of which said would make your skin crawl. There were actually, and your dad was at the forefront of this, I should feel very proud, uh, <laughs> making just about everything into an ad unit. <laughs> this used to be a forest until your dad turned it into a parking lot. <laughs> it took vision. It, the ad network people see something and they just say, ads, I put an ad there. I just want to maybe set the record straight. At the same time, I was a big advocate for content creators. I love media and I tried to find the right balance between the content that was being created and the way we were paying for it. I just I wanted know, to pay I, for I it. I joke. I think it is interesting because you well, have to make trade-offs and that's why yeah, it gets yeah. interesting. To be fair, I do think Troy really believed, as did we all, that we needed to do this for publishing to thrive on the internet. And a lot of it came from passion for magazine and old school publishing. We spent a lot of time discussing ad formats and trying to make them engaging. And you believe in it for, for, for the time that you're working on it. I think that with this hindsight I have now, if we had a, as an industry spent as much time thinking through what other business models could be built into the stack than trying to figure out fucking banner sizes, 728 by fucking 90 and 3. 
hundred by, I think we would be potentially living in a different world. And the problem with the current advertising proliferation across the internet is everything's become shit to use. I think people wouldn't care as much yeah. if it didn't make but, but everything don't dismiss so shit. The, the transactional evolution makes changes the game, Alex, and none of that existed before. Oh, for sure. So yeah. it's really easy to say Sam Altman can create a $20 subscription to ChatGPT, which will really take a lot of pressure off of finding an ad model. And it's true, it will. But those, th that, that whole thinking didn't exist back then. Not only, it was just hard to put your credit card in. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, you know, and it was. I think because of the internet was listen, designed as this free platform. Without I mean, a reality check for you guys, I get what Seb's saying. Anybody can make content now, but here's the thing: one of the plugins that they showed off when they did the demo. It's if anybody wants to see it, it's on the OpenAI plugin page. Is a thing that will go out and fetch an article from Vanity Fair, bring it back into the chat window, summarize it, and present it to you which seems like good utility, it completely undermines the whole model. And there's massive carnage in that process, okay? There's massive, massive carnage of people that today are paid to make content in a professional capacity. It's a moment. It's a real existential moment here. And yeah. so, yeah, yeah, we still have surface area. I mean, here's what the format for AI. The format for AI is there's no more pixels to put ads everywhere. It's got to be a link. It's got to be transactional. The people that will do really well putting things into the chat interface are people that have something to sell. They have a database of SKUs or a service that you can buy immediately. If Expedia would love to put their product in there because you still have to buy from them. So that makes a ton of sense. But if you need to present advertising next to a piece of content to try to influence someone in some shape or form, and you don't have immediate intent, you have a big problem. And there's a lot of people that we all know and love that will be massively affected by that as content creators. They will. Yeah, I don't want to be flippant about it. I'm not celebrating, but I think you're right. I think that's a good call. The thing that's going to be interesting is, are these companies like Expedia going to be willing to kind of forego the control of owning the user experience? because of the way they might want to do things, right? You know what, the more, I, that, that's a good question. So basically when you, my line on that was, as soon as you take the plug-in, the form of your brand in terms of an experience disappears, you just become, your API gets plugged into their chat machine. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that makes sense, Alex. I was at first thinking, I bought the membership this week, the $20 thing. So basically what it means is chat works all the time for me. I don't get these system errors where I can't get on. I think it's as soon as people start to use it, they're not going to stop. It's unbelievable. It really is. I'm going to London in a week. I typed in a bunch of questions about things for my family to do when we're there and we're then it's just extremely useful. And the more the, the more current the data and the more it's connected to downstream transactional stuff, it's just fast. There's zero friction. As soon as people get exposed to it, it's gonna it's gonna completely change behaviors. Yeah, we need a new model here, guys. But the one that I'm seeing doesn't support the kind of media entities that I spent my most of my life working on. Maybe the warning here is being folks that are insiders and have been involved in this from all sides for a long time is shit's about to change real fast. We've never seen a technology take on this many use cases so quickly. New user behavior is becoming the norm that will make stuff very rapidly look antiquated. 
I don't know about you, but using things like Siri or, or even Google Assistant is by the hour feeling more and more archaic to the point where it feels painful to use compared to three months ago. Putting stuff into a search box and learning United.com's fucking search interface to figure out a flight feels antiquated. That's oh, happening in two months. I saw your tweets about this. It's it once the user expectation, once the expectation is yeah, such I that I do no longer want this. Really? And you went to Twitter to complain about United? Yeah, he didn't do like Good at Lord. United. Don't you know I have a podcast? No, man. Stop it. <laughs> anyway. What else do you got? We'll let Seb go in a sec. One more question for Seb. I thank you for being succession. so patient. But maybe like a message to anybody that's in advertising, like, you're doomed? Well, no, but it's like, this is running on fumes at this stage, I think. Oh. I like to hear but that. But no, I mean, the traditional models are running on fumes. You can plot a line and say the importance of interface, the middleman of the interface, the middleman of these networks is going to get squeezed as people get basically direct pipe into the API of the thing and get the answers they want and then gets to book through a system that's centralized. Now, I don't know if ChatGPT wins because honestly, I still think that Apple and Google control the devices and therefore control access to this. And if they want to say, you're going to use our Apple GPT and our Google GPT and whatever they are, they will win. Whoever wins, it doesn't matter. The amount of layers of abstractions between us and the data are going to be removed. And there's less space for advertising to be slotted in. In the beginning of the internet, there was a lot of room and there's less and less room. So if you're another platform or a marketplace that controls your own data or commerce, or if you're not an influencer, then you've got to be really thinking about what the next five years look yeah. like. It's the ultimate flattening of everything and that every every brand and every person becomes a plug-in. That's where this has always been going, I feel like, but this is just a, a complete accelerant of that. Like when we talk about Expedia and like the role of like brands in this kind of world, all of the advantages that have been eroded are now just going to be completely taken away from you. Like you, your Vanity Fair example. And I think that is going to be really, really difficult. I mean, these are challenges that have existed already. The ways to, to stand out and also the leverage you have as brands have always has been in decline for a generation. But this is going to accelerate that, no doubt. Yeah. Well, we've got the point of view of the next generation and how they're using media, the technology that's changing. Seb, do you have any Seb, do you have any final observations? It's actually great to have you on here, by the way. You're really a smart young person. I mean, my my thing that I was just thinking about is it, it just seems like there's going to be like it just really is just gonna be a bloodbath of of change, like any other huge change, and things will die that are not useful. I think trying to hold on to them because they have provided people with a livelihood in the past is like an honorable thing, but also just doesn't seem like that's gonna be the way that the the world works. Yeah. Sounds like yeah. we have a title for the episode, Brian. Bloodbath <laughs> so of change. Sam, I think that's a great point. Because like I started covering this stuff right when the internet was like starting to take off. And there was always these things that I would always hear about people wanting to hold on to the till the end of their careers. And I was like, this is stupid. I was like, what that's it is inevitable that the internet is gonna take over all of these businesses. But what I realized is they really could hold on for a long time. And maybe it is different this time, but I think it's like everything repeats itself. And you have a bunch of people who have amassed a certain amount of money, but also power and stuff like this. And they're going to hold on. They're going to do whatever they want, they need to do to hold on. So I'm interested to see just the speed 
of the sort of revolution. And I always think it's going to be slower than we end up thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we will see. One more thing is that we've people have mentioned Expedia a few times during this podcast. And I, and I have to say, so like, <laughs> I was thinking about when I've booked flights, I use Google Flights every single time. Yeah, so, I. so it's, yeah, it's just the homogenization of where you get these things from. Although I sometimes go to Kayak. The reason I use Expedia is because at Airbnb, they were often butting heads, I think. I like Google Flights too. I I agree with you, Seb. But at some point, you get passed on to a booking engine. And the nice thing is is that that Expedia connects your personal data to the booking engine. Yeah, or if you get into like eDreams, don't go for eDreams. You you see some sort of too-good-to-be-true fare. That happened to my mom. You end up on eDreams, you don't want to be there. Like if you're not flying private, you're not doing it right. So exactly. Go to gate. Go to gate is another like red flag. (laughs) That is a joke. I'm going to head out, but that was a great conversation. Yeah. Thanks, Sam. Thanks. Bye. Thinking about private flights, we should move to our good product. Okay. But before we get to good product, I want to ask, we'll just go around about a favorite ad format. Doesn't have to be digital. It can be non-digital, even better. Alex, why don't you start? I think the logo on the sports t-shirt for me, like soccer team, is really interesting because it kind of stays with the team for at least a season. And there's always a big story about the reveal of the logo in like premiership soccer, football. And I remember at one point, Barcelona chose UNICEF which was a pretty neat thing to put on there. But most of the time, it ends up being some sort of airline from a petrol state yeah. or, or, or some Russian oligarchs. I think that it's a powerful statement because it's an affiliation to the team. And I think it can have still a lot of power and they can be told well. Okay, Troy? It's hard to say format It's because you start thinking about which advertising you like and it often has to do with who's making the ad. Yeah. But I'd have to say, in line with what Alex had said earlier, assuming a marketplace manages the bidding in to get preferred position in a feed, assuming that's managed well and it's a good marketplace, sometimes it's actually an effective signal to figure out who's has a, a better or higher quality service or certainly has more economics in their business to afford to bid up to the top. And so I don't mind that type of advertising and often it's not inconvenient. So that's, I guess, a type of retail advertising or even a kind of affiliate advertising in a marketplace. I think it's effective and it's it's not getting in my way. I actually like magazine ads. I think full page magazine ads were a great format. In, because certain, in certain categories, that's In that's certain categories, best, obviously, yeah. but not blow in, not the blow in cards. Those were the worst formats of advertising. The amount of times that I received a PDF or, or some sort of illustrative file of a magazine ad and then somebody says, well, now put this into a 728 by 90 leaderboard ad. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, my God. You always felt like so, they were desecrating something something beautiful <laughs> when you were doing that. Last summer, I was, I was in Porto in Portugal and I went to some sort of like thrift store or something and they had these old popular mechanics from Brazil in like the 1950s and 1960s, like classic time of advertising. And also like Brazil was like exploding at the time with the middle class and stuff. And the advertising in there, it was true like storytelling and there was entire cartoon stories that were being told. I have some of these photos, I'll send them to you guys. Mm. Uh, That kind of advertising is as the internet particularly has gone into a purely transactional way is is kind of gone to some degree and i think it like what it's too bad because i think that 
everything being impulse, 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 it's just like, it leads to like worse products. A lot of times people are particularly like DTC, like what are the enduring products that have come out of DTC? Like most of the products are inferior and most of them are crap. It's all just marketing and just being good at like- Wait, don't we want a Casper mattress? That's not entirely true. To play here. I, I, you think, so what are like the enduring, like great products to come out of like- I mean, I think that something like Brooklinen is a good product. I think that- They're just sheets. Um, they're, well, they're not, sheets are useful, right? There's a, that sock company I like. I have Bombas. Yeah, I think they're good. There's an underwear company I like. There's a lot of packaged goods brands. Fly by Jing's a good brand. I like their their Chili Crisp oil, the DTC brand. There's yeah. lots. Do, it's okay. Don't you think that there's also a lot of maybe, I mean, would you consider- 52 is a nice little brand. Would you consider some of digital only brands as, as DTC brands? I mean, a lot of those things like the drop boxes and the notions and of the world have built pretty substantial businesses going direct to consumer, right? Sure. They're not advertising in traditional ways. Yeah, <laughs> I guess a like digital product. Back to your magazine thing. I don't know, like Dropbox. I can't get that excited about it. There's three things that make that advertising work. One is it's completely controlled by the consumer in a magazine. Second of all, it's generally the best ones had a contextual alignment that made it w good. And the ones that had a big enough marketplace meant that the people creating the ads were heavily incented to make good ads for that medium. So the fashion industry is the obvious example. And any of the the fashion brands would spend a huge amount of time creating imagery for those magazines. So I think that's a great example. Sadly, it's it's under extreme pressure. Yeah, it's very craft driven. It was very context driven. And none of those things have seem, seemingly come to pass on the internet. Nothing against the search listings or retail media. And I like those Instacart placements when I'm searching for like Saran Wrap. But I don't think it really holds a candle to what sort of, and maybe this is just nostalgia. I don't know. But I think like when you look at the failings of the internet, to me, that's like top of the list. The fact that there's nowhere to even execute on those kinds of ads. You remember when like Tim Armstrong was going to remake the banner ad with Project Devil? I was doing mm -hmm. a little research about that. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? That was yeah. great. It was an attempt to bring it back to the sort of magazine like Glory. I did yeah, but the same added thing widgets, with clean campaign, stuff like that. Yeah, we clean did widgets. Campaign. Yeah, mm -hmm. those days are gone. All right, let's get on the good product. I want to talk about the good product. Alex good and product I used to make today. a magazine about uh, just to advertise our shit. The C magazine was cool. I don't know if I remember the C. It was magazine. a labor of love. I remember the week of Venn. Those were fun. I used to make those. Yeah. All right, let's talk about good product. I want to talk about Succession as a good product. I think it's a good yeah. media product. Right? There were some good lines last night, huh, Brian? Yeah. Snappy writing in that show. What about Sometimes that it one goes that, overboard. Yeah, but when they were talking about their media concept, that was kind of good for this episode. Yeah. It's called The Substack 100. meets The Economist meets like, the New York, York Times. Or... No, meets Masterclass. Oh, that's yeah. right. Meets <laughs> Masterclass, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it was also, the other part was like, I think there was a line that said something like, like a members club, but for everyone. <laughs> yeah, like clickbait, but for smart people was another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was another one that said, has the ethos of a nonprofit, but the path to crazy margins. <laughs> I mean, you know that that stuff's what, probably being said in the room. Oh, yeah. Well, so that, that, that's what I loved about it in that it really encapsulated the bullshit of a lot of particularly like media startups. Yeah, this was sort of a nod to Semaphore or something else with them talking about the English language, English speaking population. What I thought was particularly striking for this conversation, maybe just my own viewpoints, is how Shiv in particular started them down the line, which is just like, 
my God, this is so freaking small. I think that is sort of, to me, like a big takeaway of like where we are now and that just like Mad Men. Mad Men was done in 2007 when the party was basically over for the advertising industry. This is being done now when the party is pretty much over for the media industry. And so you have to like go backwards. Mm-hmm. We're literally the Mad Men went, had to go backwards to 1960. They couldn't set it in modern times. But what's going on in succession to me is almost backwards, right? Think about all the quote unquote digital media stuff that they've been like dealing with on the show. Volter, mm-hmm. BuzzFeed, nonsense. And then what is the the, the streaming service? Gojo. Or Gojo, whatever. which is another like shitty streaming service. Like, But their market cap on. is more than ours. My, I think that there was a line in there. I don't know. I, I you, you had to listen carefully to catch it, but it was like, Find them a journalist to burn with cigarettes. Yes, yeah, that's for the Saudis that or something that would come in. That. <laughs> like they're talking about building this new thing. I think the only one seemingly into it, I guess he said it, like was Roman and stuff. And like Shiv was like, this is so ridiculous. This is so boring and small. And then Kendall is like, yeah, let's. And they'd cast it aside. Like, ah, forget it. Let's get on the, let's do the deal making. Isn't thing. this also what happens at kind of the end, the end of the line for some of these big industries? where everything that they should be doing is too small for them. So they don't do the smaller things and they keep doing the big thing that ends up dying out. It's almost always the problem in big companies when you try to start something new. Yeah. It's hard to fathom something new becoming big enough to matter in the P&L. Yeah. I mean, Apple has that issue, right? If it's not a, a billion dollar business, does it? I mean, Google has the same issue and, and we have the same issue in tech for sure. But in media, it seems to also be because the cost structure is so crazy in a lot of these big media companies, they can't see outside of it. It reminds me of the moment in succession when Roman tries to explain how big $500 million is. (laughs) (laughs) It's a thousand thousands times 500. You know what? It's a lot of money. There are two moments in that episode that kind of gave me chills. One was that where they're doing the negotiation and people are just dropping an extra 500 million. Being close to that in tech, these things are happening where people are just saying, well, let's just give them another 10. And you're like, that's $10 million. I could run a company for two years with that. That does a lot of stuff. And the other one was right at the beginning, there's this logo review. And I think the entire design community on Twitter was having some form of PTSD of having somebody across a Zoom that just saying, this is shit. And you all have to smile through terrible feedback from people who don't know any better. It was a a lot of anxiety watching this for me. I like that their format, Brian, was high calorie info snacks. (laughs) (laughs) And do you think, we laugh here, but don't you think that's how most people might listen to us that aren't in the media industry? of respond to some of the things we say in in our fields they I mean, sound probably. like us they do i mean i just think it did a good job of, of capturing a lot of the bullshit yeah. so i appreciate and greg that. greg is so magical greg remains magical it's a very good so, all right should we leave show. it there yes all right all right thanks so much for listening again reminder do send in your feedback my email is brian at rebooting.com and leave us a rating and a review thanks to seb Thank you, Seb. Oh, hold on. Seb just sent me a text. Maybe a good way to end the episode. Okay. Advertising seems to be most effective on children and old people. <laughs> We're good. I think we got through this. It was a good experiment. Yeah. See. All right. Thank you for congratulating me on getting to 5,000. Oh, I'm sorry. Congrats. The first 5,000 are the hardest. After this, it's gravy. See you on Wednesday, Alex. All right. See you later. Bye. Bye. See you.